0: Hey, welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast. This is episode forty-two. The codependency complication.
1: I really just wanted to throw you a tough <laughs> tongue twister. I can't even say the word tongue after that. It's, I
0: mean, uh, it's, it's an Tough tongue twister. Is is it? It? No, it's alliteration. Yeah, is that it is. is it. There you What's go.
1: an automata? Pow that, that. The same. Wham. What, he, he, oh. what he's doing right there <laughs> i was like why is Matt throwing interjections anyway <laughs> welcome my name is laurie i'm here with my onomatopoeia interjection husband matt
2: am i supposed to yeah. put an onomatopoeia where's yes. the pow now um pow wham biff yes. thank you
1: and producer steve howdy there it is Maybe <laughs> I that'll know. be your thing for season two <laughs> and we are here via skype with our friend kelly needham welcome kelly Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, we're glad to have you. And we just discovered that you're famous. Well, your husband's famous, and so you're famous by default. <laughs> yes, in case you recognize that last name, her husband is Jimmy Needham. And he has 172,000 followers on Spotify, which wow. I just discovered on <laughs> My little Google stock is that, that
0: more than us?
1: That is, <laughs> yeah.
0: I know a couple, more, not, a couple more, but not.
1: I mean, whatever. <laughs> but today we are talking about codependency and the complication that it can bring into friendship. We're also going to talk a bit about best friends, and that's actually where we're going to start the show today. Our question of the week from last week uh, was: Is the be- the term best friend is that biblical? Another alliteration: best friend biblical. And I did something new this week where I didn't just throw it out on the podcast but I threw it onto the Twitterverse and I got more uh, responses from you all. So I just want to thank... Because we got responses. Yeah. <laughs> Les Andrews, Stephen Lister, Brittany Riva, Re- Riva, Riva, and Brian G. What up? I feel like I need to like start rapping when I say Brian G. <laughs> <laughs> okay, anyway. And Jessica Smith, just thank you so much for your responses. A lot of you, you kind of went back and forth. Like we talked, there's like talk about, is it biblical to be best friends with your spouse? Is it, was David and Jonathan best friends? So what do you all think?
0: I agree with what all the people said on the Twitterverse.
1: (laughs) Because we like (laughs) listeners. Yes. No, I don't know. A plus.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think it's a somewhat nuanced issue. I mean, it depends on how that best friendship is is carried out. I mean, I think it's okay to have different levels of, of, of relationship with people. And so ultimately someone will be a best friend. Yeah. But it really depends on how it's carried out and if it's, and we'll get into some of that later, if it turns into something codependent or not.
1: Do you call me your best friend? Usually. Yeah. You like, yeah. so I have a best friend, Lori?
2: Well, no, I usually call you my wife, Lori. But you also happen to be my best friend. i
1: sentence in my head where I'd be like, yes, you're right. It would be wife. <laughs> I think I'm going to let Kelly talk. Go ahead, Kelly. <laughs> yeah,
3: I, I would say it depends a lot on how we define the term best friend. Because when somebody describes to me their best friend as someone who they've known since you know childhood and who's been there for them and they're the closest friend they've had, in some mm-hmm. ways I go, yeah, that sounds like a best friend. But I'll also hear people apply that word to someone they met six months ago. Right. And so it means something different for that person. So I think a lot of the how do we know if it's biblical depends on how we're defining the word.
1: But don't you feel intrinsically like somebody's like, well, my best friend, blah, 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 Don't you in that conversation feel a little left out in that moment? Cause I totally. do like, well, the, why are we talking? Cause I, it's like that spot taken. So mm-hmm. bye now. <laughs> it's definitely a line in the sand. When
3: you say that it's, yeah. it's a description of a person in which you are now outside of that circle to the person you're talking to. Right. And so I, I do stay away from that word, uh, personally because of that. And, but at the same time, if you were to ask me, you know, maybe who was your longest friend or, you know, yeah.
1: who's your been there oldest this way friend. for you, I might have
3: answers for that, but I'm definitely not going to introduce you to them as my best friend. So and so, because of the reason you're,
1: yeah. you're mentioning. Well, and that's like where I'm like, is that biblical? Like I can't picture Jesus. Like, did Jesus have a best friend? So he had the, you know, the three disciples, John, were the favorites?
2: Peter, John, <laughs> James and James. And Peter. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Good job, me. Uh, <laughs> so, he was, uh, so he had those three, but I, I wouldn't be like, so favorites, come here. And I'm
0: sure when he was talking to Bartholomew about Peter, he'd yeah. say, you know, my best disciple, Peter, my yeah. rock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs>
1: yeah, he skipped best friend straight to rock. <laughs> but he must have been so invitational. But like, you think about him like, hey, we're going to go up the mountain and we're going to go see Moses and Elijah up there, who, I mean, were those his closest friends or best friends I don't know like was he like you guys can't come just you three I just I wish I could have been there in that Mm -hmm. conversation but Mm -hmm. what you're saying Kelly I like that because it's invitational Jesus was so invitational in fact there's Mm -hmm. you know 5000 and upwards of that that would come and listen to him so I don't know Mm -hmm. I wrestle with this and I'm like did Paul have a best friend and then the whole David and Jonathan thing because everybody cites that or many people cite that as best friendship but I was like was that super healthy? I mean, David was also like, he had a bunch of wives too. Like, I don't know if we can just say, David had this best friend. Why right. are you laughing at me? Well, no,
0: you're right. It's like, you go, oh, because David did I it. Mean, he was perfect in every heart. way. Yeah, he didn't yeah. have any flaws. Go ahead. That's right. fine.
1: I'm like, I mean, and then like, I don't know, they had to separate. Like, maybe they got too close. I don't know. I'm just throwing this out there. Like they they well, they couldn't have been Well, there's definitely that
3: close. different things going on with David and Jonathan for sure than the average group of us because David is a, a threat to Jonathan's position as heir to the throne. And so some of their covenanting that's happening, I think has way more to do with that than it does We just want to be each other's best friends forever and ever and Mm -hmm. never leave each other's side because that's not what you see them doing. They're encouraging obedience in one another, even at the expense of their own friendship and ability to stay in touch. So I I definitely think that gets pulled out of context a lot
1: Mm -hmm. for sure. And this is why we bring experts on. So the three of us jokers can (laughs) learn a thing. So I would like to keep digging into that, but I really do want to get to the heart of the matter later and also to Goofball Mm -hmm. Island. So Mm -hmm. we're playing a game called One Day. And the vehicle that we're taking to get there is Gruff.
2: I'm already crying.
1: Okay, we're going to talk about Disney, and is it Pixar that did the Tinkerbell series?
2: I think that was just Disney.
0: Just Just
1: Disney. Disney. Whoa, Steve, you can actually talk into this conversation?
0: Well, I'm familiar with the Pixar catalog, and I know there's no Tinkerbell in there, so that's all I'm saying. But I can say, if we are writing Gruff the... Never beast. Never, beast. never
1: beast, he's okay. the Never Beast.
0: Is it while he's got a thorn in his paw or after it's been pulled out? You've
1: been totes researching uh-huh. this, haven't you? Maybe. Mm. Yeah, because that was a loud, growly sound. <laughs> okay, so listen up, y'all, who are rolling your eyes slash turning this down or off. There is a certified, fresh, straight-to-Netflix Tinkerbell movie called Tinkerbell in the Legend of the Never Beast. Matt and I have now watched it with our girls. Our girls are like, family movie night. Well, the oldest one, because she only talks lots. And we're like, okay, where well, are we can... going <laughs> to? Matt and I are like, let's watch Tinkerbell and the Legend of the Never Beast, because we're actually really excited. And it's about this Never Beast. Oh man, I'm starting telling you the story. I can't give up now. Okay. So he ends up, you think he's bad, but he ends up being the savior of the whole Tinkerbell fairy town after he grows horns out of his heads and gets electrocuted from the sky. And you're crying at the end. I'm not kidding.
2: That is what happens. I literally didn't watch the whole movie this last time.
1: Yeah. enough time there, number there, five. This is us.
2: multi Yeah. There's been multiple times before that, but I walk down like the downstairs the last five minutes yeah. and I see them like walking him back to his hibernation cave yes. and I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm like That sound crying. was Matt crying. Just He's crying. Just because you know how it <laughs> ends. Because yes. I know exactly what's going on the, and how misunderstood he was. Yeah. Yeah. And yes. it was it's so heart wrenching. It
1: anyway. got 76% on Rotten Tomatoes. Go watch it. Okay. okay so here we are on goofball island thank you for flying us dear sweet gruff we love you um, so the game of one day is because if you could spend uh one day with one with a person who would you pick now this is really funny now that i've finally google stalked you Kelly, i know because i said what what would you want to spend one day with a christian music artist slash worship leader so you have one right answer go ahead
3: I do my husband Jimmy Needham who else would I want to spend a whole day with
1: (laughs) okay but for real for real for real it was number two
3: you know, what's really funny about this what? is because of his um, music career, a lot of the people that I would say I do get to hang out with. So my what? next person I thought of was Bethany Dillon, who is actually a good friend of mine who I get to see next Monday. So,
1: OK, so we're going to exchange numbers here and <laughs> I'll hang out in real life with your friends or just live vicariously, <laughs> yeah. or take this never beast down there. Don't worry. He's <laughs> cool. He's <laughs> real Cool. <laughs> Okay, this is really funny and embarrassing. Mm. Okay, anyone else? Steve, you know the catalog of all. CCM,
0: well, everything. I mean, all right. I know this is sort of cliche to say, but like,
1: I have no idea what you're. I was say.
0: gonna say Bono and or the Edge. Bono is the heart. The Edge is kind of like the brains of the group. You too.
1: But this are is they Christian? Christian
0: well, they are Christians who are music <laughs> artists. Are, are, it could be argued that. OK, yes.
1: OK. That but
0: wins. Th- really, like I might not even be able to keep up. You know what I'm saying? Like they're just so involved. Yeah, yeah, there's so much going on. And I might find that I'm disappointed by something. I find out spending the day with them. So maybe I'll go with Darren Mulligan from Ooh, We Are Messengers. He's the oh. singer for We Are Messengers. Good Another one. Irishman. Irishman Mm -hmm. yeah I've spent a little bit of time a tiny bit of time with him and I and he's just really got a cool perspective he's got an amazing story so he can talk about the gospel yeah you know just like until you're blue in the face
1: wow Okay, I dig uh, it. So
0: I go Darren. D- Darren is how he. Darren. Yeah, he's hmm. like, what, what's your name? He's like, well, around here they call me Darren, but I'm really Darren. <laughs> yeah.
1: So you're like, c- c- can I call you Darren? Yeah,
0: exactly. A little bit.
1: <laughs> he's like, call me whatever. Oh, that's
0: cute. Yeah.
2: I want to okay. hang out with him now. Yeah, right. And I, I do like We Are Messengers, but yeah. I, I actually think my, my answer would probably be maybe Jason Gray. Just because there's there's been so many times in the recent years of my life where I've been like, I just need to hear some sparrows. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I I probably take him, but I'm also not super up on the music scene. Right. So,
1: yeah. I would want to hang out with all the sad female worship leaders, (laughs) i.e. Stephanie Gretzinger, J.J. Heller, Audrey Assad, Meredith Andrews, anyone who sings about like the sad... Parts of life because Mm. I could just Enneagram Four real hard and we could just be like artists and sit and cry and then laugh. Yeah. (laughs) See this? I've taken this a little far in my head. I think. Sounds like a good
2: day. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Sounds like a great day, doesn't it?
2: No. Okay.
1: (laughs) Um, It's a good thing you call me your best friend, Lori. This is my best friend, Lori. We have great (laughs) days together.
2: (laughs) She's my BFF.
1: Okay, Food Network star uh-huh. slash personality. Again with the slashes. Can you slash those? Can you edit those? Just I'll
0: quick. try to slash the slashes.
1: Thank no. you. <laughs> Food Network star personality. I, I, my first thought was
3: I don't even know how to say her last name, but her name's Artie. Her oh, Artie
1: Saquera. Hmm. There familiar. you go. She's okay. a Christian.
3: Oh, cool. I did not know that. I just know that she's Indian and our son is adopted from India. So that was my first thought is I'd love to learn some good Indian cooking from her. And she seems really fun to hang out with.
1: Yes. Mm -hmm. Fun. Good cook. Also, if you like read her blog, she talks about when her husband was gone when something and she was wrestling with anxiety. And I was like, oh, I love her. It was so authentic and Mm -hmm. she loves Jesus. So Mm -hmm. that's cool.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure hmm. this one's gonna be very obvious. If if we polled oh. the listeners, they would probably know who I would say. Yes. Um but Alton Brown, a hundred percent, because he's a huge <laughs> nerd but you? also knows like everything about food and cooking and the science behind it. And so he he literally the only reason I can cook turkey at Thanksgiving is yeah. because of his recipe
1: okay so lean into the dork real hard a second which <laughs> of the episodes which you've watched them all which one would you want to like reenact because i know that's oh of good idea. eats yes well
2: it depends on what food i'm in the mood for but i mean i guess recently it's been curry so it'd be the curious case of curry which i think was up <laughs> epi- season 13 <gasps>
0: um
1: what? what's your around face there. doing
0: it, there's been 13 seasons oh, of a show.
1: she is like, a legend. You know, wow. Okay. All right, <laughs> yeah. all right. After we watched the Never Beast movie, Matt's like, do you <laughs> want to watch the Curious Case of Curry? And I was like, mm, pass. No, I did say a half yes, which was probably the first time I've ever said even a half yes to Alton Brown.
2: No, you was probably more like, Matt, I want you to watch that so yeah, you can you then make, make me, us some curry. Me some food. There you oh,
1: go. Sad and true. Uh, I would pick Christina Tosi of Mama Fuku Milk Bar. So she was on MasterChef and Chef's Table. She's the baker who makes the crazy cakes that like she doesn't, um, I almost said paint, frost the outside of the cakes and so you can like see all the layers inside and she's like super famous in this world. But I watched a documentary of Her too, and I was like, I think we could be friends. Wow, she doesn't seem quite as sad as all my sad female worship leader friends, but it'd be okay. It'd be, I mean, we could eat (laughs) some sugar and then talk Hmm. about sad things.
0: So, I'm at a bit of a disadvantage, I don't really watch a lot of cooking shows. Uh, Like,
1: I'm a normal person, so no, 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 I'm not
0: saying that. I, but I will say. Uh, My wife and I really got sucked hard into the Great British Baking Show or uh, Bake Off, depending on where you're watching it. Kelly, you
1: down?
3: Oh, yeah. Great show. Yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, So I'd have to go marry Barry. Oh. I want her to be my grandma. Oh yeah. She's the opposite always,
2: of a sad worship right, artist.
0: Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like as racy as she gets is like yeah. saying soggy bottom. Like yeah, that's yeah. about as far as it goes. For
1: and her. she turns <laughs> pink as she says. Yes. It. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I so, feel it. That yeah. show is like a vacation for your soul. It is. <laughs> All right. One day with a Disney character. Matt and I mm-hmm. in the fairy vein, uh, got pretty deep into the which type of fairy are you? Oh my word. Okay. So <laughs> it's there's different kinds. So there's like Tinker Fairies like Tinkerbell, and then there's like Scout Fairies who are like the warriors. That's what I would pick. I would want to hang out with the warrior fairies. And Matt, what kind of fairy would you wanna be? <laughs>
2: Wait, are we doing that or are we doing what No, I wanna character, know what do wanna character do with? you want
1: to hang out with, but I also want to know what fairy do you wanna be.
2: Hmm. I'm a nerd, so I'd probably be a Tinker Fairy. I like building things. Yes, you but, and Tinker
1: Bell. What Disney but, character?
2: I'd probably go with Flynn Rider.
1: Oh, from, G- from Tangled. It's a from great Tangled one. Because,
2: yeah. you know, we'd get into all sorts of shenanigans, but he's, you know, a good, good-hearted person in, in, at heart. And so...
1: Yeah, he is. In the end, mm, plus he he's cool. They they could never
2: get his nose right, but he's he's pretty cool.
1: Look at you using the jokes <laughs> right on the nose.
2: <laughs> right on the nose, Boom. but I'm changed. nice.
1: I'd probably have to go with Mulan.
3: That oh, was my first thought.
1: Yes. Why Mulan?
3: I don't know. She's got the sweetness factor for sure, but she's got that fight. You know, mm-hmm. like you, Lori, wanting to hang out with the warrior fairies. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, I'm not going to let anyone. You know, hurt my family. I'm going to. You know. Yeah. Dress up like a man and go kill the Huns.
1: Yep. She's <laughs> Sounds super fun to hang out with. <laughs> get down to business to defeat the Hun. I'm not singing it. Another opportunity for more music. Sorry, Steve. <laughs> Disney character. Did you say?
0: Uh, no. I, so I didn't look at this beforehand. So I'm just thinking right now. Wow. I'm going classic. Whoa. Jiminy Cricket.
2: Oh, he is wow.
0: the mentor for this yeah. poor puppet that just wants to be a boy but really then gets stuck in arrested adolescence i mean
1: arrested development
0: yes Mm -hmm. right and you know Mm -hmm. jiminy's like helping him move forward
1: yep i can totally picture it's been a long time
0: since i've seen it so that's my guess it's something like that is happening (laughs) on a on a you know Metaphysical level in that movie.
1: It's kind of a baby horror flick. That movie when the, yes. like the donkey ears coming out of their oh, heads. Yeah. Yes. yeah, it's terrifying. And even totally. the whole
0: the, the whole s- sequence with the whale out in the storm. Oh, yeah, Geppetto's trying to find him.
1: Yeah, yeah, there's something going on in the writer's heads. <laughs> All right, last but not least, theologian or pastor, who would you want to hang with for a day?
3: Man, it's hard not to say C.S. Lewis.
2: Hmm. Oh yeah. wow! Yeah,
3: but um I, I would man i'd either have to say him or my other thought would be elizabeth elliott
1: wow um, just stealing all the good ones yeah. there you go <laughs>
3: <laughs> just, just she's kind of in that same vein of like there's a tenderness but also like yep.
1: she's gonna shoot you straight you yep. know oh good choice i was only thinking alive but if we could do right. it alive or dead like, um, yeah those are the winners well, I'm like Spurgeon and stuff. Right. Should I say all the names before you guys can say anyone, and then you can't say <laughs> <repeat> anyone?
0: <laughs> okay. Uh, the ones that come to mind. Thank you, Kelly, for opening up the you know from all of time. Yes. I would go uh, Hudson Taylor. Hmm. Um. Missionary. Though, too. yeah, I China. Time. I would maybe just go and visit him. I don't think I would like join him. I don't know if I yeah. would have it just a day. day for that. Yeah. Okay, just a day. Yeah. Perfect uh then Make also it easy
1: i hear good things yes. about short-term issues
0: w- <laughs>
1: only helpful
0: My short-term yeah and then there's De- dietrich bonhoeffer whose oh. book i just finished earlier oh, this yeah. year oh, but man. i don't speak german so i don't know that might we met well we'd need a translator yeah if it's if it's people who are uh, walking around now um i'm a sucker for erwin mcmanus i just love oh, that yeah. guy yeah so that's, that's who good. i would say now
3: so, is this question supposed to be only people alive? Did I miss you that? You
0: know,
1: there mom? were, did you not read the second page of rules? <laughs> you know, there were no <laughs> rules. There's no rules. <laughs> no rules. So, I think I just thought alive, but I mean, your interpretation is legit. Also, you picked good ones. Yeah. So, do Steve. That mm. Bonhoeffer, too. Yeah. I mean, if,
2: if theologian pastor is, is not limited by anything and there's no language barrier, I'd probably go with Paul. Oh, because I'd okay, have so many questions but yeah there you go <laughs> yeah but I don't know I'm just cuz there there'd be a lot of questions but I would say alive I would probably have to go with Larry Crab just because he's also kind of in the the counseling oh. mm-hmm. vein yeah. of of work that I also work in and so he's someone I would love to just pick his brain
1: yeah
2: quite a bit yeah
1: I said Tim Keller because then Surprise. I would have met the Trinity not the real, the Trinity, right. but the Ann Voskamp, Fran Chan, Tim Keller. Once I meet the three of them, I think Jesus is going to be like, we're done here. Come on up. You're good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks, Gruff, for the ride. You're such a good pal. We'll watch you again probably this weekend. Um, uh, we are now going to the heart of the matter where we talk about how the gospel is good news for everybody every day. And so, Kelly, probably we get two main uh, I guess subjects of questions at HIMH and one of them is parents asking for help with their kids and then LGBT just people who are saying can you please help me with friendships in general friendships are tough Mm -hmm. and so um, Kelly before we dive into that and I'm sure this will come out in your story uh, but how was the gospel first good news for you and how is it still good news
3: you know, the gospel, I think, was first good news for me when I read Romans 10, 9. Um, I grew up in a Southern Baptist church. And so salvation was confusing, honestly, because you pray the prayer, you walk the aisle, right? Mm-hmm. And at the same time— um, I didn't know the day that I was saved. And that was a big deal in the church I grew up in. And so I questioned my salvation all the time. And so I was, you know, it doesn't sound like your normal, like doing good works to try and earn salvation thing, but I was praying the sinner's prayer every night okay. and trying to mean it and wondering, does God accept this prayer yet? And then I came across 10.9 that says, whoever um, confesses Jesus as Lord and believes that he was raised from the dead, he will be saved. And I had this moment of like, Really? That's it. <laughs> like just believe him and and trust him. Yeah. And from that day, there was a lot of, of joy of just moving on and, and going, I'm not going to worry about the day and the time anymore. I'm just going to get to enjoy God now.
1: I love, well, real quick question on that. You say pray yeah. the prayer. I know that phrase. I don't know, walk the aisle. What's that mean?
3: Um, at least in my church, we, you know, they would do an altar call every Sunday, every oh, youth service. And so that's, that's, that's part of that process of getting saved, at least as a child, when I was growing up in churches, you walk down the aisle, you talk to somebody, pray this prayer. Oh. And, and that's part of this, like, I don't know, ritual of how people were getting
1: saved in my church. Okay. Okay.
2: Yeah. To me that had definitely a marriage connotation yeah. to it,
1: hmm. which there is. Oh, a marriage <laughs> so <funny>. connotation. <laughs> yeah. So good job, Matt. Yeah.
0: Kelly, I knew exactly what you were
1: saying. <laughs> it's the smart one pulled it the through. The old said, one. The really <laughs> old one. <laughs> <laughs> our maybe not best friend, but our, Oldest friend. <laughs> oh, okay. I'll take that. I'll yeah, take that. I mean, I mean, okay. So, how is the gospel still good news for you, Kelly?
3: You know, I think there's still that same tendency in me, and maybe in all of us, that especially when we're struggling with something, whether whether it just be unbelief or sin or our thought life, what can I do to be right with God? That's just kind of the default mode for me. And so, I would say every day it still is fresh to go. Jesus did the work. I don't have to work anymore. I just get to cling to what he did. And at every stage in his life, when he faced the same temptations, he did not fail. And so I get to enjoy his success and not worry about getting my own. So it feels like the same joy, but it's just being applied to, you know, different things instead of, am I walking, you know, my praying the prayer the right way Hmm. it's you know am I parenting the right way it's like probably not but I'm going to cling to Christ today that he did it all right um and so I'm just applying that same thing on a probably more than a daily basis it's more like hourly at this point in my life
1: (laughs) oh yeah it's just why many of us love that I need the every hour and you're like no like actually actually every minute like literally yes (laughs) (laughs) so you're writing a book on friendship why why did you choose to do that
3: Honestly, I think because I love friendship, hmm. um, that sounds maybe counterintuitive if um, people who've read what I've written on friendship, but I've really had great friends and great friendships in a way that feels like just a really grace gift from God. Like hmm. I don't think I uh, went and found good friends myself. I think i put them in my life. And who I am today is hugely because of the presence of good friends who loved God and walked with me through good and hard seasons. Mm. And so because of that, as I started to see uh, other friendships and other expressions of friendship, especially among Christians, that to me felt like this is accomplishing the opposite of what friendship should accomplish. It really grieved me. Mm. And so that's actually what prompted the writing um, was— I love friendship. Why Why is it looking so distorted over here? Um, mm. Let me figure that out and write about that. And not because I'm anti-friendship, but actually because I I love it and I mm. want to protect it.
1: Does that make sense? It totally makes sense. And uh, so a big question in the questions I'll receive from people who listen to our podcast or read what we do uh, is, is kind of the pendulum nature that can be just relationships in general, but also friendship. And then again, if we tiptoe into the same sex attraction piece which it doesn't have to be that but like it's people can be completely isolated and they they may be in a state of you know they've been burned by xyz people and so then they're completely isolated but then they find one person that it's like their soul gasps when they meet them and they're like (gasps) and then it's like completely connected which to me rings of codependency so Mm -hmm. does it for you and if so what is codependency
3: Great question. (laughs) I would agree with you with um, the swinging thing. And I I think when you have isolation, you find that right person or that person who's an actual good friend to you for the first time in a long time. And and you just invest all of your relational eggs in that one basket. I I don't think that's healthy. I agree with you. There's something about that 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 fuels the wrong dependency Mm -hmm. um, because we're called to be dependent on someone but it's not each other it's on christ mm. and so as soon as all of that is placed on a person first of all it's a lot of pressure to put a person under right and they will disappoint us which can feel that same pendulum swing back again you know why did i absolutely shame and do that why in did- the first place yes you know yes. go back to isolation but we're made for community so we swing back to a person yes um and so it, it kind of can feel that same thing and you know codependency like, how you define it. You know, I've read a lot of books on codependency, and a lot of them define it differently, which is interesting. But I would say at the root of it, it's when our emotional sense of well being becomes tied to another human, another person.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And so, if my sense of like, I'm okay today, or like, I can breathe for a second, my mm-hmm. emotional health becomes attached to somebody else, mm-hmm. this one single person. Um, especially if they reciprocate it, technically that would be codependency if it's reciprocated, um, Mm -hmm. both ways. So,
1: so did, it sounds like you have an insider's like perspective on this. So have you experienced this? Like you're not just like surveying the world (laughs) from your lofty heights, as Gruff would with his wings at the top of the fairy tree. I just can't stop. Um,
3: I'm so happy. I've actually seen that movie with my kids. So I know what you're talking about. It's, it's, did you yeah. cry? Oh, I, I definitely one of the times of the like, who maybe not, how many we watched it. Okay. Maybe not
1: five times. but
3: <laughs> Oh, I think it was probably more than that over, yeah. you know, the years.
1: But. Oh yeah. Okay. So but, it sounds yeah. like you've experienced this. You have some insider information.
3: Um, you know, I would say, personally, the depths of codependency, I would say no, I have not experienced, mm-hmm. but I have had really, really good friends that I care about mm-hmm. who have walked through this. And, and in some ways, that's where my interest in this um, and kind of my concern came in the first place, that mm-hmm. um, there was a, a friend I had in college whose roommate, um, one of her parents passed away, and so she was rooming with this person who was in a really excruciatingly painful season. And mm-hmm. she really stepped up to play that role of caregiver, mm-hmm. which is great. Like you need that. Right. But over time, their friendship became so enmeshed and mm-hmm. unhealthy that I started to, and I was walking with her in that season. And so I was challenging that, but like, you know, didn't really know how to go about that. And it was really messy and confusing for me because I, I didn't really have a category for that at that point. Mm-hmm. And it really turned into something um, really devastating and mm-hmm. something that should have been good walking with people through sin and suffering uh, became its own version of sin and suffering that had lasting effects and scars on both of those Uh, women. Mm. And I saw that happen on multiple occasions with people very close to me. So much so that I was like, God, are you, why, why so many people Mm. is this happening to my life? And, and I think because now, you know, like a decade out of that season, I think because he had it before me to write about this. And so he put these relationships in my life. And so I was often the person who was a friend of one of those codependent friends trying to speak truth and trying to figure out, you know, Friendship right. isn't bad. So what's wrong here? You know?
1: Can you say the codependency definition again? Because I'm just thinking about the context of what you just said about these friendships that became their own version of sin and suffering. Totally. That um
3: I had said it's when our emotional sense of well being becomes tied to another person.
1: Yeah. So it sounds like that, that that's what happened. And it, it, it makes a bunch it makes sense because we're we're feeling empty and wounded and then we just are like looking for a savior. We're looking for something to fill us inside and so a person is tangible and and we can even Christianize it you know you're just jesus with skin on and but it's it's an issue when it we shift from the need meter to someone else to a person so kelly you when we 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 pre-skyped we pre-talked before this interview (laughs) and you mentioned how you're actually kind of shifting away from the word codependency um what what word do you prefer
3: Yeah, I have uh, shifted away from that, Um, and partly because when I did some research, a lot of people defined it in different ways, Mm -hmm. and I thought, man, this is confusing, and when I was talking to people, different people had different ideas of what that meant, Right. and so I I didn't want to be confusing. Another reason is I started seeing people receive that as a label, an unhealthy label on themselves if they had struggled with that, like Mm -hmm. on a codependent type of person. Okay, that's just who I am. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just, in, in some ways it actually stifled them from cultivating healthy, deep community because uh, they were mm-hmm. afraid of depth of people because, uh, well, I'm a codependent type person. Yeah. Uh, and so I just didn't like that. And and so really what I, I started to do um, was go, how does the Bible address these things? Because we can all relate to that. And so really more of the words that I use is words like idolatry mm-hmm. or even worship. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like Romans one, we'll talk about, we worship the creature, not the creator. And worship is just giving worth to something. Mm. It's giving importance and significance to something. And when a person is getting more of our, um, our hearts addressing of worth and significance, you know, than God, then something's wrong. And I think we all see that in our own lives. And so I think it it takes this idea of codependency away from, oh, there's certain people who are codependent to like when you talk about idolatry, mm-hmm. we can all go, we're all idolaters. Mm-hmm. Right. And we all struggle with that. It's a, a sin thing. And I would say, even though I haven't had the depths of, you know, codependent struggles and in, in some of the ways some of my friends have, mm-hmm. I definitely see the same tendencies in my heart. Mm-hmm. And I've just over years cultivated a healthy way of recognizing that and turning back to Jesus. Yes. And so it's not that I'm any different from anybody else because I haven't walked down the depths of that road. Mm-hmm. It's just by God's providence, he, you know, shielded yeah. me from that. I don't even attribute that to me figuring something out, you know. Yes. And so I, I just don't like it when people embrace that as a identity. And, yeah. and I think biblically, when we talk about it that way, it's a little more freeing for people.
2: Yeah, well, and I, and I think if you take that, that codependency word out of it, it actually widens the the scope also because I mean, you know, we got this, this handout that, that Lori handed me of, of all these kind of criteria or signs of an unhealthy friendship,
1: which I want to go there next. This is Kelly's list, but yeah, go
2: for it. Well, and and I mean, I'm looking at it and Lori, I mean, we, we, I, I admitted to you that you were my best friend, you know, earlier in the podcast. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah. Um, you know, but there, there are certain things that no one would say from the outside, like, oh, I am codependent on Lori, but there are parts of, of kind of what we will go through that, that I have to even make sure that I'm keeping in check within our marriage. and And yes. one of them that kind of stuck out was, you know, is the first or only person that I reach out to help even before praying, even before going to God. Mm-hmm. And and I, I do notice myself sometimes doing that with you where my knee jerk is like, oh, I'm going to talk to Lori. I'm going to get her input even before like going to God. And that, I feel like that's a, a fairly common thing if we're going to really look and examine our lives
1: and we don't say yeah. idolatry like we don't call it out we're like oh they're so close
2: yeah and and so totally. like, and so i think by by taking like the the codependency like yes codependency would be this maybe heightened like taking taking it all the way down you know to the end of the path type of idolatry whereas we all in in little ways are going to look at other people and idolize them in some yeah. in some aspect in our lives. Yeah.
1: So Kelly, can you look at well we'll we'll look at it and I'll post what what's okay to post. I'll I'll ask you about that, but just this whole the signs of unhealthy friendship. Um, you have Mm -hmm. four different categories instead of just like listing it out, but I'd love for you to just kind of dive into each one, just a little bit, just some of the lists. And again, um, people can buy your book when it comes out and then I'll, (laughs) I'll post pieces of this on the show notes. So what is, what are some signs of unhealthy friendship, which is idolatry or codependency?
3: Totally. Yeah. Um, and I, I'd love to just fly by those and, and Matt, just to respond to you, um, you I, I think it's super important for us to address this in our marriages. Mm. Um, so even if you're listening and you are married, I think it's it's good because if we have unhealthy dependency within our marriages, it's actually part of what contributes to it in friendship because people mm. who are single see married people acting that way and go, I want that too. Um, oh, yeah. And so it just, it can fuel that. So, yeah. um, so anyway, so the, the signs you know, there's a lot, you could make a really long list, but as I've walked this personally, and then walked with other people, I started to see them get grouped into these four major categories. Um, the first one being uh, when a friendship begins replacing Jesus. And so, you know, Jesus is our savior, our mediator, he's our shepherd, he's our satisfaction, he's the bread of life and living water. Mm-hmm. And so anytime we begin to treat another person like that. Uh, They're who we need to be okay. I can't have a good relationship with God without this friend, Mm -hmm. um, which at that point, you're treating them as a mediator between you and God. You need them to grow close to God, or they're the ones who make decisions for me or help me. They're a shepherd. And so anytime a person is is creeping up into that position, and it happens slowly over time, um, then that's not good. Uh, Friendship, Christian friendship really should be us pointing one another to Jesus, that mm-hmm. when we need that Savior, that friend is there to go. He's an able Savior. I know you don't believe it today. Go to him. And mm-hmm. and we we push one another toward him, not creep into his place, which mm-hmm. is really just a little laziness in some ways for us. Right.
1: And I like that you're saying you don't push people off of you. Let's say people are doing this to us or we're doing this to mm-hmm. others. It's not a matter of swinging the pendulum to find nobody. Like you, Let's say you feel yourself like, looking to a person as a mediator or a savior or your shepherd or satisfaction it's not a matter of like okay well then zero just let's delete feelings let's delete friendships delete everything it's instead it's like oh i'm doing it again and take your your claws your mm-hmm. hands off of them and put it back on jesus and if you feel someone doing this on you it's not a matter of like screaming at them it's mm-hmm. taking their hands as much as you can being like it's jesus that's what you see in me is actually mm-hmm. Jesus. Totally. I, and I think that's some of our knee
3: jerk reaction uh, when we're on either one of those spectrums is just to flee yeah. and run away. And I just think, you know, we're intended for a, a community and for unity within our community. That's really important and a, a stamp of approval on the coming of Christ, according to his prayer in John 17 that yeah. mm-hmm. our love for one another and our, our unity. Um, with one another is what's going to tell this world that he's real and that he came. Mm-hmm. So it's really important not to have the knee-jerk reaction of just shutting people out, even when it's hard, mm-hmm. uh, but to lean into that and actually put Jesus back in, in his rightful place as Lord in our own hearts and it, onto other people's hearts. And obviously you can't do that for them, but you can be a signpost and mm-hmm. and continuing to point them in that direction.
1: Yes. I want to circle back to that. Like, at what point do you need to maybe cut friendships off? But, mm. but first, let's go to mimicking marriage. That could be another category or in, yeah. of the signs of unhealthy friendship.
3: Yes, mimicking marriage, um, man. I think it's I, again what I mentioned at the beginning. I think when we allow our marriages to take the place of Christ, and we kind of and let ourselves enjoy this little bit of codependency in a way that we're saying is okay because we're married and that's, you know, how it should be. Mm -hmm. What we do is then we create, um, a normalized version of that in marriage that in singleness, I think people long for. And honestly, the world doesn't know Christ. And so really any chick flick that I watch, that's what's happening is these, these are unions and marriages that are unhealthily codependent and they're worshiping each other. Mm -hmm. Um, and we call that good when we're Christians and we shouldn't, um, Hmm. So I think some of the ways that that comes out in a friendship is when it becomes exclusive, when two friends, um, and again, this is where that best friends, is that a good thing or not? I think when the label best friends isolates two people away from the rest of their community, that Hmm. is not okay. When it becomes this exclusive bond that only they share Hmm. marriage is the only union that the Bible gives us the clearance to have that kind of one flesh. No one, should separate these two. Mm. No other relationship in the community, the body of believers, is meant to be that way. And uh, some of the ways that plays out in our feelings is when we experience jealousy when our best friend or whoever that is begins hanging out with somebody else, or something like that happens, and we feel jealous, like this protective urge. Mm. That's a sign to us that we're we're trying to create this kind of ownership, and. Um, it's expressing itself in in jealousy, and we actually have no right of ownership mm-hmm. over that friend, and and so that's a good check uh, when you feel jealousy to go something's off there. I shouldn't feel that way. Now, when if somebody, if a girl in the line to get Jimmy's signature at his show is flirting with him, I should feel jealous. That mm-hmm. that's a rightful jealousy because of our the ownership and one flesh union of our marriage. But when it's happening in friendships, that that jealousy is not is not a healthy thing. Yeah. But I also see it, you know, come out in our language too. And again, the culture is trying to normalize this a lot, um, a lot of sensual language in friendship, especially in female friendship. Oh, you're, you know, you're my person. I love you endlessly. Even these physical words, like you're really hot, like you'll hear friends say that to each mm-hmm. other to try and build each other up in some way. But again, I think that's trying to mimic some of the, the sensuality that should only be within a marriage
1: context. I'm wrestling with this a little bit because I think about the the church and we talk a lot here about that John 17 passage that you alluded to. And just like the mm-hmm. like if Christ in the church is what marriage is metaphoring and there's that oneness there. Like how how does that Christ in the churchness like how, how do we be one with each other without being like like, is there a covenant in that? And like, how do we not be like exclusive and jealous? Like that, that's a, there's a wrestling inside of me is like, like try and envision that. Like, how do we be close with each other in friendship? And, you know, I picture single people and married people next to each other at the start line. Mm -hmm. And we're all going toward the mission to make disciples. So we're equal here. And so we all are running the race, but I'm like, how does that work? Because there is something unique to this whole covenant thing that is like this unique Mm -hmm. metaphoring, but like, is there a covenantal nature of church? Like, how does that factor in? Totally. That's a great question,
3: Lori. And I think it's really important because there is a covenantal nature, um, obviously, because Paul's saying that's what, you know, the church as a one unit, the bride is relating to Christ. And at my own church, what we call membership is, we call it covenantal membership. And so we're actually covenanting to do life together. Hmm. I think the big difference here is whether that covenanting, those obligations are a corporate, on a corporate level or right. an individual level. Mm-hmm. Um, because I do feel a sense, like if a covenant member at our church is is doing their job to be a part of this community and reach out and and have what is rightfully theirs in Christ and in the church and isn't getting it, they have a right to express the obligations of the church toward them. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like you, you should be able to go to your pastor and say, this is not okay. Mm -hmm. Um, But that person cannot go to one individual single other person and lay on them all of the obligations of the body and say, you need to be Christ to me in these specific ways. Because at the end of the day, we are all individuals that stand before God and we'll have to answer Mm. for him. Um, And, you know, the only individual relationship that those obligations are called to exist in is marriage. But there is a corporate obligatory um, binding together that happens in the local church. Mm. And so I think that it's a right to experience that within the local church context. And again, if you're not in a local church, then this becomes really challenging mm-hmm. um, because everybody needs someone who's gonna be there for them at the end of the day mm-hmm. and who they know is gonna be there. And that's what the church is for. We're meant to, you know, we're commanded biblically elders to shepherd the flock and the flock to not forsake one another, not forsake meeting together. And so, but it's a corporate obligation, um, not an individual one. And that takes all of us to, to really make that shine, uh, married and single. Mm.
1: I'm just thinking about my own experiences and codependent relationships and how I remember I'm like, well, I just need to, we can keep this semi-covenantal best friendship. And I remember being insanely jealous and I'd be like, mm-hmm. am I your BFF or am I like your BFFF? Like I'm your, the most <laughs> closest person ever to you. Like I was cr- like that obsessive. It's kind of embarrassing. But, and then too, I just remember thinking even though like I just thought, okay, if we just remove the physical aspect from this friendship, everything will be fine. And it's mm-hmm. that's the only problem. But like really as I'm reflecting now, thinking about what you're saying, like, Matt and our marriage is focused not in no you're cuter, no you're cuter. And it's not just because of our struggles. It's like we're we're trying to, to link arms as we look to Jesus. And mm-hmm. so and there's a unique, like one fleshness that happens here in our marriage. But with this one friend I'm thinking of where I was like best friend forever, forever, forever. Am I your the closest one? Uh, that one, the issue didn't start when it turned physical. The issue started when That's I was right. really... <laughs> I was looking at Branson Parley says lust is any time that you look at a person and you say you're you're mine. Like, how can you meet my needs? And so it Mm. started when I was lusting for her, not even physically, but you make me whole. You complete me, which is just Mm -hmm. idolatry, which that is if we're saying that in marriage, it's idolatry and sinful if we're saying that in a friendship. um, And so I appreciate what you're saying, because really, we need to look at the whole church. And we say we are complete together when Mm. we are the Mm -hmm. body. So justifying sin is the third chunk of your chunk, the third section of your, (laughs) um, of of these characteristics of unhealthy friendship. What's the justifying sin piece about?
3: Mm -hmm. Well, sin, if we're, so as believers, sin is immediate threat to our well-being. I mean, to all of our well-being, but as people who have said, we want to be dead to sin and alive to Christ then that is a real threat to communion with God, which should be what friendship is fostering, right? Is, mm-hmm. is, it's accentuating our communion with God. It's pushing us there. We're enjoying Him together and individually. And so when we begin to make excuses for one another's sin or avoid having those conversations of speaking truth and love um, or especially that, you know, fostering a victim mentality, mm. And just focusing on, you know, for, a, and it feels great to be a victim if we're honest
1: mm-hmm.
3: and to kind of band together over, look at, you know, how we've all been wronged instead of pointing to this, you know, where's the speck in my eye? Where's the speck mm-hmm. in your eye? Um, then friendship is, it's not fulfilling one of the, I think, key roles that Christian friendship is meant to fulfill, mm-hmm. which is to keep us safe and, and close to Christ. And mm-hmm. so when sin comes in, a, a real friend will wound you, like the proverb says, well. Right. Speak the truth in love, even if it's a hard truth, because they care about you and because they want the actual best for you, which isn't necessarily to be closer to you, but to be closer to Jesus, because he's bread of life and living water, not me or or anyone else. That's it. And so as soon as we forsake that part of friendship, it's, it's a sign that something has become more important in that friendship than what should be most important. When I avoid telling my sister in Christ what I need to, I'm avoiding that conversation. I'm actually... I want to preserve the surface level peace that we have more than I actually want her closer to Jesus at that Mm, point. mm. And that's a problem. That's a form of self-love ultimately for me to say, I Mm. I prefer this surface peace we have with each other than for you to have what's actually best for you. Mm. And that's the love Jesus calls us to, right? Love one another as I've loved you. And he loved us in a sacrificial way at expense to himself. Mm. So we should also love our friends that way at our own expense sometimes to put ourselves in that hard position of, Calling out what needs to be called out um, because of the greater good that's being forgotten um, in that moment. Mm.
2: Yeah, I'm just gonna say, so, ouch! Because as a number nine on the enneagram, a peacemaker, that, that can be <laughs> like a, a really like that's a hard truth for me to hear. Because sometimes, yeah, you need to not lay the law down, but you need to speak truth and, and love, and, and rather right. than just sitting in comfortable avoidance and mm. yeah,
1: yeah,
3: totally. And again, part of me saying I would not be who I am today without friends is because of that very thing, that I had good friends who loved me enough to show me blind spots I had in my life. They weren't even willful rebellion areas. It was just, hey, you need to know that you you come off this way. You know, it's like, it's really hard to tell people that. (laughs) But honestly, man, that has fueled some of the most profound health and vibrancy in my walk with God. And those friends put themselves in an awkward position to love me well. And mm-hmm. it's, it is, it's a challenge for me too, because I, I tend to be the, the peacemaker um, by default. And yeah. I remind myself of that. This is a way that I get to model Christ's love, to sacrifice my own sense of peace right now to be about somebody else's ultimate peace with Christ. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, that's a good thing. It, and it takes the strength of God to do that. Um, and as friendships, I think that's, man, that's one of their primary functions for that's, us.
1: That's so good. So the last section is fostering addiction. So if sign of an unhealthy friendship and we'll just take a minute here, but I, I like how one of your pieces to it is you cannot go more than a few hours without talking, texting or hanging out. You must have constant communication to be okay. And like sharing every single detail of life to feel connected. I, Again, I remember in those codependent friendships where it, it felt like I remember using the phrase you you kick down the doors of your heart, like just like it felt like that, like I'm busting through your whole house. If your heart is a house, I want to know every single part. And there's a piece that's like, "Yay, that feels so good. But it's almost uh, it creates this addictive nature because it's like, well, then now you've seen everything in my heart. And again, this may not even be like at a physical level it says, you know, my whole heart. And it's like, well, wait, don't leave. <laughs> I've been mm-hmm. alone for this whole time. Come back, come back. And, uh, because it was almost kicked open and not even naturally like built. Um, I, there's, it, it it's really, uh, it's sinful to just mm-hmm. create that place. So anything else on that, the fostering addiction? Uh,
3: no, I think you covered it. And I yeah. think again, we all have a tendency to, to cling to people in those ways, if they're becoming, um, for us, where our sense of well-being is coming from. so yeah. it's a it's a potential for all of us. And as soon as we can't say no to it or no to it, you know, we have to have it to be okay. Yes. whatever that thing is. It could be a person or a thing. yeah, there's that should be a red flag to the believer if it's not God that yes. we feel that way about. Um, and friendship is no exception to that. That's it. Mm.
1: So, Kelly, thank you so much for fleshing this out more. I'd love to have you back on. We'd love to have you back on the podcast to, to even explore um, just more about like, OK, so here's the unhealth, but how can we explore health? Like, what's it look like mm-hmm. to foster like healthy friendship? Because it, we can look at the negative, but OK, I, I recognize these tendencies in myself, but where do I go from here? And I would just say as a recovering people addict, which again, there's kind of an identity statement as someone who can use people to replace God. As an idol, uh, I have been the pendulum person and I have learned to instead of run from people and then just flip the tables over and rage quit as we say around our house, <laughs> I'm like, Nope okay, I recognize it. I'm not going to shame myself. I'm going to confess if there's sin. And then I'm going to say, okay, how how can I approach this in a way that's glorifying God and and really helping this other person? So Kelly, thank you for this specificity. I really appreciate these (laughs) lists. I think your book's going to really be helpful. And do you know about when it's going to come out so people can start looking for it?
3: Oh, man, I'm not exactly sure. I'm hoping sometime next
1: year. Yeah. But, you know, I, I do know for actually sure. <laughs> know as someone who is a fellow writer, I do know it's a long process. So we will at least uh, hopefully post maybe part of this list. Is that cool? Totally great. Yes. Okay. So we'll post this list. So you guys can read it and then maybe give us your feedback, your thoughts as she's writing and you know just that kindness that kind criticism but we have great our (laughs) listeners are amazing seriously uh but then too, kelly we'd love to have you back when that is nearing the publication time and then we'll talk more about the friendship just how can we cultivate it well and i know we'll keep coming back to this conversation because it's so huge but um Mm -hmm. thanks so much for being on kelly
3: Yes. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Yeah, we've loved it. Um, Our question of the week, y'all, for next week, and I'm probably going to hit up Twitter because you guys respond to that, uh, is what's your worst camping experience? We have one more official episode for season one. (laughs) I think I might cry a little bit because it's been such an adventure. I can't believe it. And we're having Mm -hmm. someone on who does like camping ministry, and she's going to talk about it in relation to like, how can you love LGBT campers? So it's going to be kind of a good kickoff into the summer um and kelly i'll just link to your blog i'll have i'll have this posted but thanks again for coming and for all of us here at the hole in my heart podcast we'll say goodbye and take gruff back (laughs) into not neverland they live in neverland pixie hollow all right i'm gonna land the plane land the Neverbees. we'll see you next week
0: (laughs) again we want to thank today's guest kelly needham a lot of the material we covered today will be in our show notes and look for her book next year Hey, I just want to remind you that this summer we're taking a few weeks off from our weekly feed of the podcast. It gives you a great opportunity to get caught up on those past episodes. You can find the archives when you subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts. That way you'll be all caught up when we return weekly in August. Also, a few ways you can help us reach more listeners. If you leave positive ratings and reviews in Apple Podcasts. Also, just tell somebody about the hole in my heart podcasts and where they can find it. As always, we love to hear from you. You can email us at podcast at himhministries.com. We will see you next week.